Brothers and sisters, truly my pleasure this morning to welcome Joseph Edwin Davis up to the stage this morning. I must have been out of my Look, why don't you do something with your life? Sit around here all day. You contribute nothing to society. You're just taking up space. How could I be with someone like you? Wouldn't respect myself. All right. Um, somehow I sent him the wrong clip, but that's still a good one, so we'll just laugh at that one. <laughs> um, actually, that's, that's the right clip about talking about society. By the way, my name is Joe Davis. Uh, I'm going to be the lead teacher here at uh, Grace Life Church, and uh, it's a very exciting day. One more week, and we have our, our official launch, but this is a good group, a good church family today, and we're really excited about being here. Uh, by the way, I just wanted to mention something. I do hate talking about money, but one of the things I do love talking about is one of our core values is going to be generosity. And the goal is by the beginning of year three that at least 50% of our revenue will go to outreach to hurting people in our community. So that's something we want you to know that that's one of our goals as a church is to have that take place. So um, everybody that's on staff is bivocational, and that's one of the reasons we're going to be able to do that. So just wanted to make sure you knew where uh, our tithes and offerings are going to be targeted toward. Okay, so today I want to talk about something called humble dissatisfaction. I want to talk first about movements and explain how those are tied together. There's all different types of movements in the world. You know what I see? Like a movement, there are political movements, like, for example, the Tea Party or Occupy Wall Street, or even a few years ago, the Arab Spring was a political movement. There are movements that are formed for people to fight against immorality, like the civil rights movement, or bad theology like the Reformation and Martin Luther. There are movements motivated by pure human depravity, like the free love movement. And some, don't be offended hippies, some aspects of the hippie movement was, you know. Uh, there are governmental and economic movements, concepts that often spur people to want change, like, for example, communism, fascism, Libertarianism, capitalism, socialism, democracy, all kind of economic government movements. And these types of movements that we see are usually fueled by a group of people that have deep, get this now, dissatisfaction with how their current culture operates. And because of this, I want you to understand that dissatisfaction can be a very powerful emotion when understood correctly. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, although even our dissatisfaction can become corrupted due to what we believe is total depravity outside of Jesus. And our self-natured motives can take over even our dissatisfaction. It's kind of like a reaction of what we saw with Kramer when he was yelling at somebody and saying, how can I be with you? You contribute nothing to society. In that respect, you see there's some dissatisfaction there. And that in that respect, dissatisfaction can be cancerous. It can be dangerous in a church setting. When this sort of dissatisfaction is applied to a church, it becomes what I call arrogant dissatisfaction. Displeasure with other people's actions or their institutions and how they affect our lives. 
See, this is what I think happens a lot of times in churches. People become overcome with arrogant dissatisfaction. They're not happy with how some other people act or the way some other people worship or the way some other people give or how some other people live their lives morally. And what begins to happen is we express displeasure in other people and their institutions and how they are affecting us. And for dissatisfaction, while it can be a good thing, for it to be effective in a church, it cannot be arrogant dissatisfaction. In other words, our dissatisfaction at Grace Life cannot be centered upon other people. It cannot be centered upon the perceived failures of others and their ability to meet our expectations. Does that make sense? For a church to be effective, it must be fueled by what I call humble dissatisfaction. You see the difference? Humble dissatisfaction. Displeasure with our own actions and how they affect our lives and the lives of those around us. You see the difference? Arrogant dissatisfaction is I'm dissatisfied with you and your institutions and how they affect me. That's arrogant dissatisfaction. And it is cancerous to a church. But humble dissatisfaction is displeasure with our own actions and how it is affecting our life and the life of those around us. It's recognition that our fulfillment has to come from obedience to Jesus, not obedience in others. You see the difference? It's recognition that our satisfaction is going to come when we are obedient to Jesus and not other people being obedient to Jesus. So with that in mind, I want to look at a passage of Scripture today. Um, that's actually the wrong one, so I'll just read what I have here. This is why we have our dress rehearsal. Okay, Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. In other words, humility came upon every soul and many wonders and signs are being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling everything they had of their own possessions and belongings and distributing itself among each other to make sure that no one had any needs. And day by day, they would attend the temple, the other institution together breaking bread in homes and gathering together and praying and singing. And they received food with gladness and they had generous hearts, praising God, and they had favor with all around them. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Do you see how that works in that passage that the people of Acts chapter 2 became dissatisfied with their lives outside of following Jesus? Here's the historical aspect of what's happening here. Okay, let me explain and how we're going to break down Scripture every week at Grace Life. We have the history of a passage. What about man? What did he do and why did he do it? After that, we'll answer the theological questions about a passage. What about God? What did he do and why and how did he do it? And then and only then, after we understand the history and the theology, then can we even think about applying a devotional application to our life. What about me? What am I supposed to do? Why do I do it? Human tendency is to skip right to the devotional application without the study. But you have to understand the history and theology. So here's the history of Acts 2. These people had worshipped in this institution called the temple, this church building, their whole lives. 
Then they met Jesus and their values were transformed. They recognized how dissatisfying life without following Jesus had been. And how life steeped in religion and all of its politics and all of its arrogant dissatisfaction had left them empty. So now they're in a situation where they have lived one way their whole life. Jesus has come in and met them through the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God and the Gospel and the preaching. And God has transformed their heart and lives and they recognize, wow, that was so dissatisfying when I wasn't connected to Heavenly Dad. And now I am. This is so much better. You know what could have happened there if they weren't careful? They could have easily stood in arrogant dissatisfaction with Judaism and the temple. That's right. That's my niece over there. That's right. She's agreeing with Pastor Joe, with with T.O. That's my name, T.O. But you know what they did instead of expressing arrogant dissatisfaction? They learned to be satisfied in Jesus and with his people, the church. You know, what this, you know what this did for them? It relieved the burden that they might have had to be right and to fight the temple and to protest it and to rail against it and to talk about it. And it freed them up to be surprisingly generous and sacrificial to each other for the sake of spreading the gospel. That's the history of Acts chapter 2. Now let's look at the theology of the passage. The gospel message causes us to be humbly dissatisfied with life outside of following Jesus. Now, this is a subtle point, and I really want you to listen, so don't miss this. There are two ways they could have responded. They could have tried to picket, protest, demonstrate, fight the temple system. Or they could just go ahead and move outside of the city, outside of their comfort zone, religiously, leave Jerusalem, go outside the walls, and start living for and with one another. Serving generously. So the focus would be on loving others and spreading the gospel of the grace life through the mercy of Jesus. And, you know, I think they were so obsessed with loving each other. I think they were so obsessed with the satisfaction in Jesus. They probably didn't waste a whole lot of time slandering the temple. They didn't probably spend a whole lot of time slandering the priests and Judaism and their old church. They spent a lot of time embracing their amazing life in Christ. They embraced life more abundant in serving Jesus, not judgment or arrogance, but humility and submission to one another. They were so satisfied in Jesus, they didn't have time to be satisfied with others. This drove the early church's focus and passion. Can you see what God does for them there? God says, your old life, which made you arrogantly dissatisfied, arrogantly dissatisfied, I'm giving you a new life. It starts with humble dissatisfaction with the old life, and then I will satisfy you. He says, if you drink of the well of living water that I give, you'll never thirst again. That's the cool theology of this passage. Isn't that neat? So let's look at the devotional. What are we supposed to do about this at Grace Life? Humble dissatisfaction creates a focus on a few things. First of all, remember, humble dissatisfaction will end up leading to satisfaction through Jesus. But watch what it does. 
when you are not arrogantly dissatisfied, focusing on other people's failures, and you are humbly dissatisfied, focusing on how you have fallen short instead of someone else, and then Christ enters your life and transforms you, you begin to love people and not tradition. See, these people in Acts 2 were no longer in love with a location. They became mobile. That's one of our core values. They were no longer in love with liturgy or religion. That became organic. Another one of our core values. But they were in love with the people of God. So much so they were willing to give up everything they had worked for their whole life, all their possessions, all their money and everything to make sure that the people they loved never were without what they needed to live. Yeah, yeah, I I got a really nice chariot over here with a Mercedes logo on it. I'll sell it to make sure that you have a place to live. You know what else? Humble dissatisfaction will do. It will create a focus on compassion and not bitterness. See, they were more concerned about spreading the message of hope and redemption than they were trying to criticize the temple. This made them biblical, another one of our core values, where we want to encourage and confront all cultures and people with what? Grace. You see the paradox? Confront and grace. And they were focused on compassion and not bitterness. You know what else it creates a focus on? I love this one because I'm a doer. I don't like to sit around thinking about stuff too much. Maybe that's why I make so many mistakes. Actions, not rhetoric. Now, you have to have some rhetoric. I mean, you have to talk a little bit. I'm talking right now, so there's some rhetoric. But the focus is not on the rhetoric. The focus is on the action. See, their faith, their satisfaction was verified by their sacrifice for one another and their courage to take the message of hope and redemption, the message of grace life to others. You see, talk is cheap. But think about this. Arrogant dissatisfaction, really all it can do is talk. You need to change. You need to be better. You need to do this. You need to do that. I don't like this. I don't like that. I wish it were this way. Talk is cheap. And arrogant dissatisfaction creates a lot of chatter, doesn't it? And it's loud and passionate. How can it be wrong if it's so passionate? But humble dissatisfaction moves you to action. See, one of the things that arrogant, we're we're so afraid of arrogant dissatisfaction. So much so that, and this breaks my heart a little bit, many times churches spend a lot of their time and money and energy and resources marketing themselves to their own people. Why do we got to waste time marketing to our church family? Don't we want to reach people outside? But we're so afraid that some people will be arrogantly dissatisfied and react in a bad, negative way. We spend all our time focused on making sure they're happy instead of making sure other people hear the message of the grace life through Jesus. You know what else it gives us a focus on? Generous sacrifice. Not desire for comfort in our worship. Or in our programs. You see the difference? See, when we have comfort in our worship and programs, we are consuming. When we are sacrificing, we are part of a movement. See, if we truly understand the sacrifices made for us by Jesus and the early church, 
it should change the way we pursue church at Grace Life. And what will happen is it will become less about what we are getting, what we like. It will become less about what we enjoy. And it should become more about what we are sacrificing, what we can give, how we can get outside our walls, how we can reach the people outside of here with the message of hope, love, and redemption. Because dissatisfaction mixed with humility is crucial. Humble dissatisfaction produces the sacrifice and service of Acts chapter 2. Arrogant dissatisfaction produces selfishness and judgment of others. Arrogant dissatisfaction produces judgment of others, anger, resentment, and sadly, ultimately, unfulfilled potential as a church. But humble dissatisfaction produces satisfaction in Jesus and the desire and motivation to follow his teachings. Guys, this is what's going to need to drive our focus and our passions at Grace Life. Humble dissatisfaction leading to satisfaction in Jesus. So with that in mind, let me ask you a question. Why are you here at Grace Life today? If you are here perhaps because you were dissatisfied with other people or some other church, that can be arrogant dissatisfaction, can't it? I think if we're going to be effective as a body, as a family, we've got to check that stuff at the door. It's something every human struggles with. I know I do. I can find myself all the time slipping into arrogant dissatisfaction with how some of you perform. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> It's been great today. Just kidding. Just a joke, people. <laughs> but grace life must be primarily made up of people that are driven by humble dissatisfaction. As a ministry team, staff, and leadership, and church family, we want to be part of a movement that affects society that is driven by humble dissatisfaction. We want to contribute to our society as an outflow of the gift of the faith that God has given us. Just like the early church did. Because humble dissatisfaction will enable us to focus grace life on the right things. Loving each other our community, and I pray it leads to tremendous generosity and compassion to those who don't know what the grace life is all about. Because you want to, not because you have to. Because I want to, because you told me to. Dad, we are uh, we're so excited about what you're calling us to do. We pray that you would keep us free from the burden of arrogant dissatisfaction with each other, with other churches, 
and keep us humble in recognizing that our satisfaction will not come when others succumb to what our desires are for them, but when we submit to your teachings and follow you. Lord, make Grace Life a place that finds its satisfaction in serving you alone so that we can be mobile, organic, biblical, and generous. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all so much for being here today. It is uh, kind of like being home in a lot of ways. Uh, why am I here today? I don't know. I wanted a break. I didn't want to do this anymore. And yet God tells Joe, let's start this church. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. Why not? Right? That's why I'm here today. So think about why you're here, why you're going to come back next week. And we can't wait to see you because next week it's opening day. It's a baseball reference. We are so excited for next week. So here's how next week is going to go. If you have a kiddo, you are more than welcome to drop them off across the way in the 1900 building at 10 a.m. If you, yep. Oh, look, that's magical. We didn't even ask for that. That looks good, Kev. Welcome. And if you are not sure where that is in the back door, hey, Jim, can you give us a wave, Jim and Brute? Um, these two gentlemen have some maps. So if you want a map to know where you're going, we encourage you to grab one from the, uh, Bruce apparently said, to Jim, you're on tap for the mapping. Well, you know, um, you can drop off your kids beginning at 10 a.m. You are more than welcome to fellowship in the green room, which is um, in that back area. I don't want to say it's the bar, but it is. <laughs> Be real. That's where that is. Uh, from 10 to 10:30, and we are going to start right at 10:30 next week. And we have an awesome, awesome Sunday planned, but nothing out of the norm because what we do every week, right? So think about when you structure a church service. We don't want to have like a Super Bowl Sunday because then what happens next Sunday? So we need to keep it the same. But next week is an exciting time, and we are so thrilled to be able to share this opportunity of newness with you. We need some help. So last week, oh, I should ask my question because there's so many more people in the room. How many of you can click a mouse button on a computer? Raise your hands. Oh, come on. There we go. If you have the ability to do that, we have the job for you. You, um, We need some help running um, our computer. Week over week, we um, need volunteers to help. It's literally clicking a button, and all you have to do is uh, move to the next slide with our lyrics, with Joe's PowerPoint and things like that. Um, if you want to serve, please see me. You can see Mike, Mikey give us a wave in the middle. Higher, you're little. Wave your hand. There we go. And Steve Lenz is in the back, but I can't see how far he is. His hands are up as well. Steve's going to be responsible for doing that. The best part is that when we have a lot of people to serve, you might even need to serve like once every month or two. We also have opportunities for you to serve on our hospitality ministry. And I'm not going to ask this question because I know how awesome all of you are in this room and that you can smile and you can say hello. And we want um, to have as many welcoming people in our hospitality ministry as, as we can. So please see where Sian. Here she is. 
See, Ernie's over there. Um, she would be delighted to get you connected with a week that you can serve. You don't have to serve every week. I mean, we'd love for you to, but you don't have to. But come on and serve on our hospitality ministry also. If you like children, you know, I say I get people laugh because they know I say it like that. If you actually like children, we have an opportunity for you to serve over at Grace Life Kids with uh, Jen Gillespie. And there is her email address. If you are scheduled already to serve next week, sorry, I know this is kind of boring, but I'm going to do this fast. If you are scheduled to serve next week, we ask that you connect with your ministry leader for any last-minute info. And um, we also need help with setup and teardown both before and after because we've got to flip this room back around for Les and Pam so they can have their uh, shows on Sunday night. So who has questions? I set myself up for that, and nobody has any, so that's magical. Let's pray. God, we're going to leave this place today, uh, first of all, filled with uh, awe of your grace and your mercy. And we thank you so much uh, for bringing us here together. Unite our hearts, unite our giftedness in your love and in your grace. Bring us all back together safely next week. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. We will see you guys next week. Thanks so much for coming.